Sunset Lake CBD is a majority employee-owned hemp farm located right outside of Burlington, Vermont. Before they started growing hemp, Sunset Lake Farms produced cream for Ben & Jerry's. Sunset Lake CBD doesn't use any pesticides or herbicides to grow any of its hemp plants, and they use organic fertilizer and other sustainable farming techniques to ensure the long-term health of the soil and to minimize their carbon footprint. So like all of us, my days are really stressful. By the end of the night, my kids are in bed, I'm taking a minute to chill, but I'm still unwinding. I recently started using the Relax Gummies infused with CBD isolate, reishi mushroom extract, and ashwagandha root extract. I'm really glad I tried these because they really helped me get ready for a good night of sleep, and I really think I sleep better, so I'd highly recommend it. So check out Sunset Lake CBD today at sunsetlakecbd.com and use the code HFPOD for 20% off your order. That's sunsetlakecbd.com and use the code HFPOD for 20% off your order. Farmer-owned, Vermont-grown, Sunset Lake CBD. Hi, listeners. I want to tell you about a cause that I'm involved with at Heritage Radio Network. HRN is celebrating its 15th year And to celebrate, we're deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. All right, my show, Indisputable with Dr. Rashad Ritchie, has hit 1 million podcast downloads because of you. This is huge. That means we're in the top 5% of all podcasts among listeners. I want to thank you for listening to the show and supporting what we do. Iron sharpens iron. On this show, we dive into the most pressing news of our time. It's not easy, but it's necessary. Providing insightful commentary and a heavy dose of fact-based truth. We cover criminal justice, politics, social justice, policy, and how racism affects us all. Find Indisputable with Dr. Rashad Ritchie on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Make sure you are subscribed to our show so you don't miss an episode and don't forget to rate us with five stars. Now that we've reached 1 million podcast downloads, let's get our show to number one in the podcast charts. Hey, listeners, I want to tell you about a sponsor, Music Masters Collective. They're a nonprofit organization that produces unique music events, providing opportunities for fans and artists to meet and collaborate in an inspired and creative atmosphere. Every week, they host different events, all with the opportunity to learn from world-class musicians like O'Teal Burbridge, Trouble No More, former members of the band, Milk Carton Kids, Nikki Glaspie, Bill Frizzell, Sean Colvin, and many more. This June, join the Fab Foe, 
Joan Osborne, John Sebastian, Marshall Crenshaw, and a great group of faculty for the debut of Magical Mystery Camp. This all-inclusive, once-in-a-lifetime music vacation experience in the heart of the Catskills will be packed with nightly performances, workshops, speakers, song circles, open mics, and a lot more. If you're a performing musician at any level, bring your instrument. If you're a music lover, bring your good spirit. It's an amazing experience for individuals, friends, and couples alike. Registration is open, spots are filling up, so check it out soon. And scholarships are available. Check out magicalmysterycamp.com slash helpingfriendly to learn more. Osiris. You guys ready to do this show? Are we so live? Ready. Oh, we're live. Are we oh. live? I knew we were live. I we know. are live. Trick us. I tricked you. <laughs> Monday. Monday, 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 June 27th, 2022. A mere two days after the prophecy revealed itself to us. My name is Brian Brinkman. <laughs> I'm just going to play this up all all episodes sorry guys uh my name is brian brinkman this is the helping friendly podcast live coming at you from around the country we've got multiple people here today from the state of colorado plus a bunch of people from the east coast who have access to crazy concerts and sit-ins so many of which that some of them can choose i'm just not gonna go I'm just not going to do it. And then they get gift wrap tickets and they have to go and they have to enjoy themselves. It's crazy how that happens. Wait, are you talking about me? There were other people. <laughs> okay. We've got shout outs already for Bruce. Very exciting. I'm here with RJ. I'm here with Megan. Jonathan is hanging out in the ether. We hope that he's able to join us. There was like a massive storm that hit the state of Virginia a couple days ago, and we're hoping that he's able to uh, join us today to give his thoughts, his thoughts on what was, I'm just going to come out and start saying it. I'm just going to say it from the top. One of the greatest musical experiences, one of the greatest evenings of music that I have ever experienced. I was 3,000, 2,000 miles away, and I felt it. I felt all the vibes. You guys were there. Um, we are going to bring on two just incredible minds in the world of Goose, Bruce Robinson and Brian Weber. Um, Bruce, who is a co-host of the Great Beyond podcast, Brian, who runs the Jive Goose account. They're going to come on in a couple of minutes, and we're all going to talk about this incredible moment where Trey Anastasio sat in with Goose for not just like a song, not just like a jam, but an entire set of music. It was absolutely incredible. Before we do that, RJ, how are you doing here? Um, I am fine. Um, I am I'm great. I'm just glad to be here with you guys and with and I'm excited to have Brian and Bruce here. So that that's all I have to say. That's a good thing to say. Megan, how are you? I'm great. I'm so ready for this conversation. Get it? Yes. I made a goose joke. <laughs> no, I'm excited. I'm really tired. This weekend was a lot. It was a busy weekend. I raged really hard, and I just feel grateful that I was there. Can I make a goose joke? 
Yeah, please. I am slow ready. <laughs> oh my god, I get it. For this conversation. Sorry, I, that's, that's the end of it, I promise. <laughs> so as we said, we're going to bring uh, Brian and Bruce on here shortly to talk through the set from Saturday night, but then also kind of the significance around all of this. This, this, this felt like a really big moment. Um, I think we'd been a lot of us who have been listening to goose while also listening to fish while watching this band rise and grow and really develop a really unique sound, write really incredible songs and start to kind of take this next step in terms of the venues that they play at in terms of, kind of the the notoriety around where they're at um to see them play with trey and see that see the music that was created it was it was very very special we're going to dive into all that but we have a few little points of business that we need to get to um first and foremost we want to encourage everyone who's listening subscribe to osiris media on apple Podcasts for hf pod premium as well as ad-free content on osiris media we have bonus episodes that come out of this podcast every single Friday, which are a lot of fun. We talk about sandwiches. We talk about shirts. We talk about, we, I, I force sports knowledge on everybody. We talk about haircuts. There's a lot to discuss in addition to the world of fish. We also want to encourage everyone out there, reach out to us. If you are going to fish shows, this upcoming tour, we want to have you on to recap those shows with us. We go live at 1 p.m. Eastern, the day after each fish show. Really great opportunity for us to dive in with people who are at the venue to share with us what their experience was like, how it sounded in person versus how it sounds from the couch and on live fish the next day. It's always a good hang. We also would encourage you to like, review, and share HF Pod Live with your friends. Those are the announcements I have. RJ, I think you had a late breaking announcement that you have to bring to the table. Are you able to do, do. that right now? Yeah, I'll do that. And then we're going to immediately start talking about this because we're making everyone wait. And it's it's not that nice. But before we decided to do this today, Brian and I first wanted to tell everyone something pretty cool, which is that starting tomorrow, Brian and I are going to start a new show. I'm not even sure Megan knows this, but she's about to find out. Um, we're going to do this a new show. It's going to be called the live show. And it's basically going to be part of it's because we've been inspired by all of our listeners and viewers of this show who people have said like, can you give us like a primer on like live fish shows and live other band shows? So Brian and I are going to start tomorrow, three days a week. We're going to talk about some bands live releases and we're going to start with Dave Matthews. So Brian and I have committed to listening to hours and hours of Dave Matthews and he and I are going to start Tomorrow, we're going to talk about Live Tracks Volume 1, which is Dave Matthews' first live release. And uh, so at noon tomorrow, we're going to do that. It's going to be at noon, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. And then you can listen to it as a podcast after. And it's going to be fun. So that's one announcement. The other thing is we've been doing a, a contest for Peach Fest. And we have, are giving away a pair of tickets to Peach Fest. And it is right now we have a winner. And that winner is not Jonathan, who just appeared for a second. Um, <laughs> the... <laughs> The winner winner of the contest is <laughs> on on Twitter. His username is wait, hold on. <laughs> get it right. Said, yes, yours. Wrong, you got to get this right. Um, on Twitter, his username is at 
dogs in a pile. Um, congratulations. He wants to go to see Billy Strings, and he will get to do that. So congratulations. Thanks, everybody, for all your responses. Um, so those are my announcements, and, uh, you know, thanks for hanging with us. Um, Congrats we- to the dude. Peach looks really good this year. A lot of good bands. Yeah. Oh, my God. The bands. lineup is crazy this year. Um, Brian, can we we have to tell people about sunset lake but i also feel like we need to we need to get this going should we get it going and then talk about sunset lake i think we're going to get this going and then tell people about sunset lake i'll just okay. say that i had some sunset lake during the show and it was fantastic but let's skip that for right now we'll we'll put that off for right now we need to bring on mr bruce robinson of the great beyond podcast Hello, everybody. many Howdy. many other things how are hey, you bruce. doing today bruce Hey, good. Bruce. Doing good. Doing better. How you guys doing? Doing very well. We're very excited Great. to have you very here well. for this. Oh, I'm glad to be here for sure. We're also going to bring on Mr. Brian Weber, also known as Jive Goose, a fantastic resource for information of all things Goose and some other things, but you know, a lot of Goose. How are you doing, Brian? I'm doing awesome. Thanks for having me on. Brian, I want Absolutely. you to know that when, when, when Goose is playing and I want to find out what's happening, the first thing I do is I go to Twitter and I, and I search Jive Goose and then, I found out, and then I find out exactly what's happening. So thank you for your service to the live music community. I know it's not easy, but um, it's appreciated. Thanks, RJ. Very welcome. So there's a lot to dive into here. And I think the best place to start, because this is a originally has been a fish podcast but is a goose celebrating fish podcast if you will (laughs) um bruce i want to start with you as uh one of the hosts of the great beyond can you tell us kind of succinctly how did you get into fish how did you get into goose and where are you as a fan of both bands at this point in time Oh, being succinct isn't one of my best qualities, but um, same here. Welcome I, to the I, show. I, yeah, okay. <laughs> perfect. Um, no, I, I mean, as as far as my background with that goes, I mean, it just you know, we've got a long history with seeing live music since I was growing up in our small Connecticut town of Wilton, and and that had changed from a culture that had existed before, um, where it was just a lot of house parties and a lot of things like that. You, you know, you get in these affluent areas and. Um, we had a lot of great musicians start flowing through the school systems as well and creating bands and playing and getting into a lot of jazz stuff. And, um, and so eventually, you know, you'd start to hear names of people. And as I got older, there would be kids that were younger than me that I would start to hear about that were playing music and were really good. And, um, and we're still in a live music scene. I was seeing Humphreys a lot back then out of college and, um, you know, whatever other bands, a lot of Mo and stuff like that. So, uh, one time I get invited to a buddy's house party, go figure. Um, and he says, you, you should come, you know, check out this kid play. He's going to play with a couple other, uh, one of my friend's brothers and some other people in the backyard. I was like, okay, right on. And I'd heard his name before. And it happened to be Rick Teratonda, a name I didn't know how to pronounce at that time, although I'd heard it. And I think that was like 2010 or 11, 2011, maybe. And I immediately just these kids playing in the backyard. I noticed that there was something different a little bit about Rick and his skill and his style. Um, and, you know, people had obviously talked him up a little bit, but, but you could really tell uh, almost right away, you know, and that was also when I was hearing about 
you know, people like Jeff Engelborg as well, who, who they have songs named after him that he wrote. And, um, and we just had so many good musicians. So then, you know, fast forward a couple of years uh, to, I think 2012, Vasudo became a thing. And that was Trevor and Rick's band. Um, you know, Ben played with them a little bit. Jeff Revelo plays percussions, played, played drums for them a little bit um, back then. And, and that was a band that we really, you know, as played a lot of these bars and and things that our friends would go and it would just be like a party for us and our friends with a really great bar band you know and uh we really loved it and you know that's what john was um big in helping them at that point john lombardi your coach uh as he's well known now and um you know so john kind of got me to go to the first pseudo shows and then after I got on my master program in 2012, then I started going to uh, more of the fish shows with a lot of my friends who John had built this whole network of friends for us over the, over the years. And, um, and that's really when I started getting into fish a lot. And uh, we, you know, it went, and everyone was, you know, I just took me a long time to come around to it. I was into Humphreys. Like I said, I love prog rock in high school, love classic rock. It were a little soft for me. I mean, even the dead were, it took me a long time to come around to the dead. Um, but you know, then I started get, diving into fish really hard and seen, you know, fish now over a hundred times since 2013. And, um, and then Vasudo broke up and Vasudo broke up and they played the last show that they ever played as Vasudo in a basement at a house in Saratoga, uh, which was, I think July 7th, 2013, uh, at the three night run after that. So we had a house with a ton of our friends and, um, they played till like five in the morning. I believe one of my friends, uh, Chris Quinn, who takes photos for the band as well as other bands now, uh, his his fiance Laura plugged in her phone and uh, the power went out at the house. <laughs> and then so that was the end of the show. But it was really pretty epic. Uh, and then that was the end of a pseudo, you know. And then um, you know again a, another year and a half or so. Fast forward, and Rick uh, really went hard on improving his vocal skills and had to take over singing. Uh, as the sole kind of lead vocalist for the band and wanted to get back together. And John and Rick and Trevor had this epic conversation that created Goose. And 2014, they played their first show on September 27th in Stanford at another dive bar, but it was great. And, um, you know, from then on, it's just been kind of both bands as much as possible, trying to follow each one as much as we can and uh, support, you know, the guys in Goose as much as possible. So, um, and then now it's, it's just grown from there. So I worked with them in 2019. Um, uh, as uh, on tour as part of the crew and helped John with merch that whole tour for most of that whole tour. Um, you know, and then ever since then, it was also like there was some social media stuff going on and it was getting way bigger and it was kind of like a little bit of a blind spot, I think, to the band and to management. And so I took over moderating this Facebook group that's now expanded almost 20,000 people. And now I'm administering six of these groups because I'm. I'm sick person. Um, but, <laughs> but so that's kind of been my experience with them, you know, and just trying to work now as a, what they call an online community monitor. I'm helping with some other stuff and, and with the podcast and whatnot as well. So, um, you know, that's pretty much it. And over the years I've grown to be really good friends with all the guys, seen a lot of fish shows with Trevor and John and, um, Ben used to live at John's house for a while in Reading where I would always be. So we became really close and, um, you know, so it's just been, yeah, it's just been that, you know, it's just been growing kind of organically from our hometown somehow for all of these years. And, uh, and we've just been trying to do, and I've been trying to do whatever I can in any small way to help, help keep that growth going, you know? Oh, thank you very much, Chris. <laughs> the, the amount of Bruce. 
chat messages that <laughs> yeah. we've gotten since you since Blowing we started talking chat. is uh is is an indication of how much uh, the fan base appreciates you. I, I haven't um, see, heard that much Bruce. Really, it's a Hornsby show, I think. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, really. <laughs> Before I jump to you, Brian, Bruce, really quick, like you know, your experience of seeing Goose in you know house parties and hanging out with them. Did, was there ever a point, you know, 2013, 14, 15 range where you thought these guys would be playing on the level that they currently are right now and the kind of gigs that they currently are playing? Um, Like, honestly, yeah. And, and, and quite, I remember it quite clearly a lot of the time because part of our support for the band, including John, was, you know, heavily involved in kind of trying to manage them and get them gigs and help out with these events and stuff in the early days was how we, and even from the Vasudo days, when they broke up in 2013 and they had only been playing together for two years and Rick could not sing. That's why they took all the Vasudo stuff down. And I used to put fans onto some of it. I was like, listen to this tumble from 2012. They're like, oh my God, uh, it was horrible, you know? And, and, and so like, even then we were like, this band is incredible. And there's really something special about them when all of us have been seeing all of these jam bands and a lot of bands in, in live music, uh, whether they're considered a jam band or psychedelic rock or not, and we we're like, there's something special about these guys. And God, they got such good songs, you know. But Matt Campbell was a big part of that too, writing some of these songs and and singing. And he was an incredible vocalist, incredible keys player too. So that was a point where we were pretty nervous when they broke up, but we'd still believed it then. And then I think it was 2016. They played this little jamboree at Capitol Theater. Um, they were the first band of four, and I think like eight of us <laughs> were there in the main stage. But it was the main stage, really. Like, yeah, they had just lost. Um, Chris Doc Enright, who plays with Elephant Proof, Ben's other project. And um, he played on with uh, Goose for a while. He was on Moon Cabin. He was the keyboardist on Moon Cabin. He's a great keyboard player. So then we just lost him. It's like, oh, my God, another setback. They picked up another great keyboard player, Chris Yonker, and they were in this jamboree. And they played a short set um, to start off the night. But it was pretty epic. And I remember saying to John at some point, I was like, man, it's just we just need to get more people in front of them with these kinds of big speakers and lights and like. I think people will get it, you know, and literally it took three years till Peach Fest in 2019 to actually get an opportunity where there would just be so many people in such a good stage, such a good environment um, to see it and to and and to hear it happen. And ever since then, it's been kind of off to the races. So I really do think we always believed it. But I think, you know, on, at 2019, it was hard to kind of not start thinking, Hey, this is, this is really, really possible. Um, especially yeah. after that. Yeah. Yeah. That was obviously a very big turning point. And I think we'll talk about that compared to this. Cause it feels like they were, uh, there were, there are similarities in terms of where, where the band could go at this point in time. Um, Brian turning to you, um, as RJ noted, uh, anytime, Goose is playing anytime there's a new show that drops on Nugs. I immediately go to your account because there is immediate knowledge and immediate uh, categorization in terms of, you know, where the band is at, where, where do we put this in context? And you're incredibly helpful in terms of like cataloging the history of this band, both in the moment and in terms of uh, your, your overall way of hearing them in terms of like what we should be hearing at this point in time. So I, I greatly appreciate you for your service, but can you tell us um, how'd you get into goose? How'd you get into fish? Where do these two bands kind of interweave for you? Yeah. Yeah. Th thank you so much for saying that, Brian. Um, and I feel like I should start um, first by saying Bruce, 
Wait, well, let me uh, say, I actually ha- have to go to Twitter a lot to check out Jive Goose's account. I'm like, oh, what's this up with? Because I can't even follow sometimes. So I do appreciate your service also. <laughs> no, no. What's up, buddy? Good to see you. Um, yeah, so so for me, I mean, it pretty much, uh, it started with, with, you know, well, it started with Jerry and the dad um, kind of in my, in my later high school years. And then um, shortly after high school, I was introduced to Fish. Uh, saw my first show in 95 at uh, 102195 in Lincoln, Nebraska. That's where I was going to school at the time. Um, and um, so I saw a lot of shows in kind of the late 90s. Um, that was really kind of the high point for me um, in terms of just activity and touring and traveling to see shows and things like that. Um and not as not as many not as many 3.0 shows for me. I kind of I kind of plateaued off um, after 2.0. Seen about 80 shows. Nowadays, I, I tend to stick to Dicks. Um, I think Telluride were, were the last shows that I actually traveled to um, when I was living in the Midwest at that time. Um, and then, um, so in terms of Goose, uh, so so living in Colorado. Um, I, I first kind of started to hear a little bit of buzz, I guess in like late, very late 2018. And there were some Colorado shows coming up in January of 2019 that I really wanted to make. And the, the schedule just, just didn't work out. Um, but I knew someone who went to those shows and kind of just turned up the buzz for me. And so that's about the time I really started getting into them and listening, listening to a lot of, you know, what was out there at the time. And then saw my first shows later in the year and started up the Jive Goose account, I think in November of, of 2019. And I'm not on Facebook. And so on Twitter, there really wasn't a whole lot of information coming out um, about Goose shows. So I kind of did it for myself, you know, really more than anything, just to just to kind of start to put, um, you know, to fill that void, I guess, and and get some of that information out there. And then it's just been growing ever since. I love that. Yeah, it's been uh, it's it's been such a helpful and such an insightful account as the band has continued to grow and 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 follow them on a show by show basis as well as kind of overviews of runs. So thank you. Um, what has it been like for you to see fish in the mid nineties um, after getting into the dead, and then fast forward, you know. 20 plus years at this point and see a band like goose um, rise as quickly as they have. Well, you know, there's, you know, I, I know we'll talk about this a, a little bit later, but some definite, some definite similarities um, for me. And, you know, when I came in, when I came into fish, you know, it, at the time it felt like it was, it was still early, you know? And, and I know a lot of people would probably say, yeah, yeah, that was early, but, my first show was at, you know, I, I, I wish I knew the numbers on how many attended that show, but I mean, it was a fairly, fairly big show at Persian Auditorium. I want to say probably, I mean, probably at least six, six or 7,000, I would say. Um, and so, you know, for, for me, that felt big, you know, it, 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 you always feel like you missed the boat a little bit, no matter when you come on board, you know what I mean? And so in retrospect, and everyone will remind funny. you of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I mean, I mean they'd have- somebody who was there a little while earlier, but that's a small venue for that that yeah, I mean, tour. Actually, they had already played MSG, right? So yeah. you know, yeah, yeah. So better late um, than ever. 
Yeah, yeah. So, so I think when I when I when I came on to Goose, I, I think that that it felt quite a bit smaller. Um, and so when I look back at 2019, and then you know, COVID plays a whole role in this, obviously. But just if we say from 2019 and and compare that to 2022, I mean, it's the 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 growth has been um, you know so rapid and the the steep trajectory, and so. There are definitely some similarities just in the buzz, the growth, the excitement. Uh, you know, back in back in, in in those days, you know, 95, you know, 96, 97, this there was it was so electric and uh, you know, there was so much energy and people were just so excited. And now I've seen that in in smaller pockets with Goose just through my interactions with people who are who have kind of been as hardcore you know, as, as, as me. And of course, you know, pe- people like Bruce, you know, um, th- th- that I've met go back even further and they've had that buzz and that excitement, but now you're just starting to see it on a bigger scale. So, so definitely kind of reminiscent in a lot of ways uh, of those old fish days is just the overall just buzz and excitement and energy. I mean, it's, it's, it's electric and, you know, it makes, makes me feel young again. That, um, all right, let's start. Let's dive in. Thank you, Bruce and Brian, both for giving us your guys' backstory and kind of where you guys see the band at this point in time. Um, let's dive into the set. So um, we're going to just talk about the segment where Trey came on and joined Goose, which begins in the third set. Um, following the conclusion of the second set, Peter announced that the band had the room booked until one o'clock in the morning. Um which was great sitting at home on couch tour. I was like, awesome. Another like two and a half hours of music to look forward to. And it kind of gave the wink of, you know, all these rumors that have been building throughout the day online. They probably are going to come true because they have this huge block of time set aside. Um, RJ and Megan, you both were there. Can you talk about the vibe of what it was like in the room for the entire show, but then ultimately when Trey came out and kind of what that experience was like. Can I interject a question for, for you guys as well? Uh, how late did they play Always. on Friday night for reference? They here? played till midnight. It was like 1155 okay. or something. So maybe 12 or five, something around there. Yeah. There's a pretty so hefty he, fine involved with pay, playing later, you know? So that's also why yeah. I, was, mm-hmm. I was also surprised to hear that they had that extra hour. Yeah. I was very surprised too. Yeah. Yeah, it was, I mean, first of all, seeing them, I hadn't been to Radio City since Fish in 2000 and just being there and um, again and seeing the the crowd and the hype. I mean, it was just, it was, it was great. The acoustic set that I saw was great. Plum playing Atlantic City by Bruce was like, a, that was very overwhelming for some reason for me. I don't know why, but um, it the by the third set, I had made my way down pretty close on the floor and um I mean, everyone just knew all day, right? It was just a matter of time. So the fact that, and so Silver Rising, they played before Trey comes out, which is another just great example of of the songwriting and just the these songs are so good. And it was really nice. And right after that, you know, the the place just obviously just went nuts. But everyone was expecting it, and it was just the beginning. I, I think everyone expected Trey to play one or two songs, including the people involved, and then and then. He just wouldn't leave or, or they didn't let him leave. <laughs> was, that was or, or the a best moment. That was the best moment. I, I went Friday night and it was my first 
goose show, actually. And I kind of got into goose because of the pandemic, because it was the only music that my family would tolerate me listening to for hours. Like they just, they couldn't listen to fish for like as much as I wanted to listen to fish when we were in quarantine. So I started hearing goose. I knew about them from the peach set basically. And then I started listening to them a lot. And it was the kind of music that I could have on while I was making dinner and people wouldn't be like, can we please turn this off? Like people liked it in my family, which was great. We could, I could play pool with my husband and, and, you know, people would tolerate it. So it was awesome. Um, and I've been dying to see them. It just hasn't, hasn't worked out yet. And they're playing these shows. And I saw the, um, last time I was at the, at Radio City was for the, um, tab shows in the fall. So I was thrilled to go back because those were kind of special too with Fishman and the JFAT whole vibe was awesome. And walking in on Friday was just, it was just amazing. I mean, I was totally blown away by Friday's show. I know we're not here to talk about that, but that show was absolutely spectacular. I thought the flow, setless construction, the playing, it just talk about rising to a moment. I mean, the first time you come to Radio City, they played like absolutely beautifully. I was really close. I was like four or five rows back and just danced my ass off the entire time. I literally woke up the next morning like in pain. I was just totally blown away by their groove and it's just hypnotic and absolutely delicious. I loved it. So going in Saturday, I wasn't supposed to go to the show, which I feel like I heard a lot of people saying at the show on Saturday night, like I wasn't actually supposed to be here, but, um, but I started seeing these rumors and I saw that picture and then Brian's brother actually reached out and had some tickets. Shout out. Shout out Kevin. And I was like, yeah, I'll try to get rid of them. And I tried kind of. And then I was in Coney Island with my family at 6 p.m. on the cyclone. And I was like, what am I doing? I got to go to the show. And just bailed on the family, kind of in the doghouse still for it, but totally worth it. And I got took the train back to my house in Brooklyn, changed and made it in, missed the first song, but got in and just was so excited to be there again and just absolutely thought the show was incredible. And I think that moment when he announced, when Peter announced that they were going to play an hour later, everybody was just like, it's like one of those moments when you're at a show and you're like, okay, shit's going down tonight. And I'm glad to be here. <laughs> I'm glad to be here. So great. So Trey comes out, which I feel like as, as a fan of both bands, I kind of just was waiting for the moment that Trey walked on stage. And that was like all I could really handle emotionally. I just kind of wanted to see him on stage (laughs) with goose. And then I was like, I don't even care if they play music. I just need to see him on stage there. (laughs) Um, But they start playing hunger, hunger site. um, And it it felt to me like kind of the perfect way to kick off this set. Uh, The, the kind of interwoven guitar melodies between Trey and Rick and this way that that song has kind of always jumped off into, you know, pretty, pretty spectacular jams over, uh, the last six months since I started playing it. Um, Bruce, what were your thoughts on this performance? What were your thoughts on hearing Trey's guitar with, uh, with, with goose? So I listened to, uh, all of it today and, and various, um, YouTube videos and whatnot. And obviously they, they released the pro shop video for the hunger site in Arcadia. Um, I do think after listening to everything and, and trying not to be emotional about it, <laughs> um, but the hunger side I thought was probably in terms of musically the highlight uh, or probably the best playing that the both of them did together. And hunger sites actually been a song that 
I really like, I think a lot of people really like off the new album, but, and I, and I've liked the jams that they've done, but none of them have like, it just seems like they've never found a good spot with the jams. They've kept them high energy and high pace. So that's good. But this one, they actually seem to find lock in him and Trey going back and forth, mm-hmm. found a good, found some really cool grooves to get into. Um, you know, and, and even started rocking a little harder towards the end of it. Uh, and it was still somewhat concise. I just thought it was definitely the the best in the night. And I had heard that Trey had really only practiced, like given some sort of practice to Hunger Sight and Arcadia. Um, so when he decided to stay on for all these other songs, I mean, it makes some sense that maybe he's still trying to find his way through some of them. You know, maybe Empress isn't the best to try to just slip right into. Um, <laughs> but uh, but Hunger Sight, I would have thought, you know, would have presented some challenges too. And um, I think they really, really crushed that Hunger Sight. Uh, and then, of course, you know, I, I, everything after that was just <laughs> icing on the cake. So, I, I'd like to add in that uh, there was some, along with the interplay with Rick and Trey, Peter was definitely in there on keys, uh, answering, responding to what Trey was playing and whatnot, and probably very much part of the song in, you know, without Trey, but it was working as, you know, three melodic players uh, locking in pretty well. I thought that was that was cool. I was enjoyed hearing that. Yeah, it was like yeah, it really, communication, which was great. Yeah, it really didn't sound like one of those kind of token sit-ins where someone's just kind of like strumming along. Like they were really interacting in like a deep way. It was so cool. Yeah, I mean, it's you know, it's funny because I, I mean, every, everybody can tell from on stage the way Rick looked. That entire set was so happy, honestly happy. And a lot of people don't realize, and you know, I've talked to Rick a lot about this, and. You know, he even mentioned to me at Legend Valley when we were talking about how, you know, when he was young, he always wanted to play guitar like Trey. And obviously, I think people go crazy with the comparisons between the sound. I, I've never really thought that. Most of our friends who have seen a lot of Fish never really thought that no one ever made the comparison, really, between them and, and Fish. Besides, obviously, some jams are going to sometimes sound similar um, because Fish has played thousands of hours of improvisational music, too. Um, but, you know, I think some of that, though... Rick really understanding how Rick play how Trey plays and um, having listened to a lot of them that I think helped. And then obviously Trey being a master at improv and, and a master of playing with people anyway, um, you know, it just made it such a smooth uh, sit in, like you're saying that nobody seemed to be playing over each other, even though there were a lot of people out there playing on stage and, and it was really impressive. It's a good example of uh big ears good listening on on the yeah. part of everybody you know obviously trey's been at it for a long time but uh goose guys really showed it and uh, did a great job yeah i've got some thoughts on on hunger site real quick though to, to back up jonathan you asked the kind of the question about the curve whatever someone sent me a message saying that we all owe cid entertainment a debt of gratitude for helping make that extension happen so i'm not sure what 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 exactly that means but uh, that's what somebody said. Um, and then Megan, you mentioned the photo, so I got to give a shout out to to my really good friend um, and and pod mate Neil Landry for for taking that pic and posting it. And I know there were a lot of funny um, comments and there was some skepticism. I even asked the question at one point: Why are they unloading across the street? You know what's? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Parking's but, um, tough, man. It's it know, was real. <laughs> Manhattan's for real. But yeah, yeah, you know, I thought I thought Hunger Sight uh, was a really great choice um, for for a few reasons. So number one, it's a newer original, so I thought that was that was a really good call. And I know there's been people saying, 
And I think Trey showed this in the past too, that, I mean, he wants to play the band's originals, um, mm. you know, when, when he's sitting in, which j- just a really cool thing um, on its own. Um, and then, you know, yeah, l- like you mentioned, there's, there's just a built-in opportunity for call and response from the opening lick. Um, so, so that also is really cool just to portray to just get involved from the opening lick, j- just a really awesome opening. Um, and then, it's, and it does have kind of a straightforward open jam. Um, so then it allowed everybody to, to really kind of, um, just explore spaces and, and showcase, you know, their, their skills. Um, and yeah, the, the, the smiles on the band's faces, you know, really, really said a lot. Um, I think I even saw Trevor uh, bust out a little grin at one point. So, so yeah, they were uh, rare sighting. (laughs) (laughs) Um, That moment when Rick like responds to Trey doing that lick right right at the beginning is so amazing. I think I watched it like 30 times in a row. It just is so incredible. You can just see like that, like you were talking about Bruce, like that young kid, like in him, like realizing that dream, that, that impossible dream that nobody really gets to do, you know, play with your idol. Like that's, it was an awesome moment. Yeah. And Trey coming in and, and, you know, sharing the chorus vocals. Um, that was really, really cool to see. And then, and then, yeah, you nailed it. I mean, the crowd went crazy when Trey came out, but when, when he tore into that first solo in hunger side, I mean, that was the emotional moment. I think for me, that was yeah. when, that was when yeah. it really hit. And I was like, Holy shit. I mean, that's, I mean, it's signature, signature Trey tones, signature Trey, just entry into a jam. And I mean, it's just the, it, the place, the place erupted at that. That was, that was the, the, the moment really when it was like, wow, this is, this is it, you know, this is, this is really happening and, and it's, and it's amazing and glorious and all those things. And, uh, and yeah, you said it, Bruce, I mean, Trey is, uh, you know, he's a master at, you know, group play and improv and, his listening and his instincts and anticipation um, are all just so well honed. Um, and, and yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't Rick. It wasn't just Rick that he was responding to. Um, you know, you mentioned, you know, Peter, but I also heard Rick, you know, emulating some of, some of Trevor's bass lines, you know, a few times throughout the night. So it's, it, it was just so amazing to see this, you know, Trey who I love, uh, just have have these these incredible you know musical interactions which are which are just on another level um, than the, than our the way we interact as humans um, you know so just just seeing all that was was, was so beautiful and um, and and you know just a couple more quick thoughts on hunger site um, another thing that I thought was was re- really really cool I think this was about 16 minutes in and the jam kind of slows down a bit. Um, mm. And there's a little bit more of kind of intricate interplay happening between Rick and Trey. And it almost sounds like Trey, you know, he bends a note and it almost sounds like he hits a bit of a sour note. And then, and then Rick hits the same bend and kind of sour note. And and I just, I thought that was really cool. I almost imagine that that was Rick kind of saying, Hey, I got your back. I got your back on. <laughs> uh, so yeah, just. That's cool. Uh, yeah. It, it was just such, it was such an incredible jam. I agree with you, Bruce. That that probably was the, the the highlight for me. The whole thing was incredible. But yeah, the playing during Hunger Side. I mean, that's that's a jam that, like you said, Megan. It's not a there's, there was no standard issue sit in you know vibe happening. Um, this was this was 
you know, really incredible mu musicianship, uh, you know, across the stage. And, and it was just, it was incredible. Then they, then they went in and built that, that the last few minutes of that jam out frenetic double guitar, double drum climax. I mean, just incredible stuff. Oh my God. That peak was so monster. I was like, I think I texted you guys on the group. There was like, it felt like a monster just like erupted out of it. It was, it was awesome moment. Really cool moment to be there. Megan was, was having a really yeah. good show, you guys. <laughs> it was incredible. I mean, it was, for me, like, it was very emotional, like, way, way more so than I would have expected. Like, I was, like, in tears for part of it. And I don't, it just, like, was so, there was so much respect and so much, you know, clear mutual admiration. It wasn't as, I would, like, very much dispute characterizing it as a sit-in, you know? It was like a... It was a musical experience for, was, for everyone. It's a collaboration. I mean, Trey yeah. doesn't a do a lot of sit-ins. And when he does, it's something really on this order, like he did the Tedeschi Trucks thing, which was very planned and rehearsed. And they played Layla. Or he, uh, you know, he sat in with Karangbin at Lockin, And that was less planned and rehearsed, I think. But it was done out of, you know, a load of respect for what they do. And he wanted to, you know, really be a part of that. And again, played with their material. A couple people have mentioned in the comments. I know I mentioned it to the the gang here in our our text thread the uh, this morning yesterday. That um, I I think that says it all. Really, is that Trey took the time to learn some of their material and wanted to do their stuff rather than get them to meet him halfway on some covers that he knew and they knew or fish songs which i'm sure goose could have done but that's not why they're playing radio city music hall this weekend and trey knows that and so yeah. he he yeah. met them where they were and that was rad that's very very cool well and to pick up on that and i want to return to your thoughts on this rj but moving along in this set for for me the moment that like I lost it at home sitting watching this was when Trey comes in singing the first verse of Arcadia. That was one of those songs yep. that yeah. um, RJ had been raving like crazy in the late summer of 2019 about goose. And I had yet heard of them and RJ and I go back and forth passing each other music. And I was like, okay, what, what is going on here? Who is this band? Tell me what I need to listen to. Tell me the songs I need to hear. And one of the first songs was Arcadia. And it's the, to me, it's, it's there. If you, if you want to make the structural comparison of how do you get into goose versus how do you get into fish, you're going to pass someone when you get them into fish, a really good mic song, a really good version of tweezer. Um, you know, these, these big jam vehicles down with disease, these songs that like you'll, you're going to hear at regular, you know, at, 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 at regular shows that you go to. Um, you're also going to hear them explore them in really unique ways. And Arcadia was one of those songs. And when, you know, there was that moment in Hunger Sight where Trey's singing on the chorus. And I was kind of wondering, like, is he going to sing any Goose lyrics? Like, well, this would be so crazy. And then, of course, he comes in and he sings the first verse of Arcadia. And it just, I lost it. Um, RJ, what was this like for you? And, and this, to me, this was my overall highlight. But I'm curious what this song was like for you live. Yeah, I mean, you could tell like Trey had the teleprompter and he was like looking at yeah. it for the guidance on the lyrics, but it didn't it listening back to it it doesn't change like how cool it is. And uh, you know, I'm I'm a I'm a obviously a huge Goose fan. I've been, you know, I, I guess I first interviewed them in 2019 at some point, but they're they're such good dudes and they 
the songwriting just keeps getting better and better. And like, I think, sorry, this is sort of a tangent, but you know, the whole like jam band torch discussion, which Bruce and Craig and Joey, it's such a, I know you guys do it jokingly, you know, but it's like the whole conversation about this, like, was this a handoff or something implies that there's some sort of like direct line between, you know, improvisational bands. And I think, one of the things Trey loves about Goose, I think, is is one of the reasons that a lot of people that I know who don't like fish like Goose. And it's because they write, they're a pop band. You know what I mean? Like they they write catchy songs. They have great hooks. They have like good lyrics. They, they, they're great singers. Like they just happen to jam like crazy. So like I think Trey singing Arcadia was like him also just getting into the fact that he's like, I think he really enjoys these songs. You know, it wasn't just to come out there and like play guitar for 30 minutes. It was like, let me absorb this and kind of like reflect on, on, you know, a song that, that I think is, is, you know, it's, it's not like the most complex song in the world, but it's like, it's definitely touches the chord every time they play it. And I think that's a, I don't know. It was a really amazing moment. And it's, it's like the thing that I thought that Trey would play with them all the times that I've thought that Trey was going to play with them, which is like six times in the last year. But, um, you know, you keep guessing, you know, eventually you'll be right. But um, that was just a really, really stellar, stellar moment. Moving to um, the drip field loose ends segue here. One, one of the things I found interesting when, when we first got that picture from Neil on Saturday morning, RJ and I were talking about, I just want Trey full effects board in the middle of drip field just like i want just a wall of trey's effects and um the thing that really blew me away was it felt like he kind of helped guide drip field into a very new jam space that we haven't heard that song go which then moved into like a chugal space to go into loose ends and it felt like i want to choose my words wisely here because i think that they they can play drip field for 30 minutes the exact same way that they've played drip field uh you know in previous performances and i want all of it that musical space is just like one of the most incredible spaces i've ever heard any band find and the the showcase for jeff during that song you know during the jam uh portion of that song is just incredible for the band but to hear them figure a way out of the theme of drip field into a totally new jam. You could hear a lot of interplay between uh, Trey and Rick during that point in time. Um, Brian, what were your thoughts as they, Jonathan, you want to say something? Yeah, I just want to, I I mean, I want, you definitely need to throw to Brian here, but uh, I just want to say, I want a t-shirt that says Chugal Space, please. Can somebody make that? It's a good jam band name as well. Let's get that. It would be a great jam band name, definitely. (laughs) (laughs) A band I would be skeptical to see, but I mean, like a lot of people. (laughs) I just want the T-shirt. If somebody wants to start the band, don't even tell me about it. Just make forty-five minute, uh, Credence Clearwater. Endless uh, Boogie already exists, you guys. You go check them out. (laughs) Brian, talk to us about that jam. So yeah, this was so so it was so cool because you know when Arcadia ended. You you kind of saw Rick, you know, talking to Trey for a couple of seconds, and then and then Rick's like, he's gonna stay. <laughs> and so that 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 was a really cool moment. Um, and then yeah, then it was like, okay, what's well, on? Yeah, uh, he's not leaving. And so uh, the, so Trey hung back a little bit, you know, for the first for the first few minutes of Dripfield, which kind of makes sense. I mean, um, same thing with Empress, you know. I mean, it's 
if, if you don't know those songs, I mean, it can be a little bit difficult to, to insert yourself and, and uh, you, you don't want to make a wrong move. But uh, so he kind of tastefully hung back and then would, would throw in a few notes here and there. Um, but then when the, when, when the kind of the vocal um, sections of the song were done, you know, they get into kind of the repeating that descending lick. Um, that's when, when Trey kind of, kind of stepped up and, and started to get involved. And that's also when Peter kind of walked over, uh, which I also thought was cool. Cause you know, Peter was like, I got to get over here by Trey too, you know? And, uh, and so, so that was really cool when the three of them were kind of jamming. Um, and then, yeah. And then you've, and then you've just, you've got the primal drip drums, you know, we, we, we always talk about that with, with, you know, with, with, with my pod guys, you know, shout out to those guys. They call it a primal banger and, you know, the drip drums and you just, you have that as the backdrop. And then Peter kind of snuck back over onto the baby grand and, and Trey and Peter just, just let it rip. Um, and yeah, it really did go, go to a really cool, interest, interesting, you, you know, space, which, which was very unique. Um, and, and, you know, on this one, you know, Rick really just crushes, you know, the climax to this jam. Um, and I kind of felt like this, that was another moment where, you know, Trey was kind of like, yeah, you know, take it home, you know, um, th- this is, this is, this is your song, you know? Uh, so, so that was, that was very, very cool. Um, and then, yeah, then Rick led him into, into a fun, quick loose ends, which, um, yeah, you know, if you if you if you if they're playing loose ends, I, I just kind of feel like, you know, they're feeling it and everybody's having a good time. It's, I was thinking today, you know, what, just thinking of fish and goose a lot today, you know, in, in preparation for, for this conversation and it almost, I, I almost would say that loose ends is maybe Goose's Mantica, you know, Mantica that, you know, it's, it's yeah, fun. Little, it's, I can see that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but, but anyway, yeah, th- those are my thoughts. Yeah. I, I, Dripfield, I thought, I thought had a really nice, nice, cool jam. And, and it was so awesome again to see Trey up there playing, playing this, was, this new, this new music. That was my favorite moment. I mean, I think there's, there's a point like, right after Peter goes back and then you can Rick and Pete, Rick and Trey are sort of like communicating with each other through these little licks. And you can tell that Trey is getting like into it when he does his little like ups on the strum. Yeah. And then he's like, you know, when he starts doing that, you're like, okay, you know, Trey is like, he's, he's locked into it. And they, they just kept going back and forth. And it's almost like they, they were communicating in a way that I thought was just really special. That was like, that was my favorite moment of that. It was, it was a really cool jam. You know, like the, the structured song sections were all a little bit like, like you said, Trey was sort of hanging back and trying to see what happened. And then and then, you know, he would kind of lock in on the improv, which is just crazy as well. I felt like that moment was like when it's like three in the morning and you've been up with someone all night and you've been like, I don't know, you might be on like psychedelics or something. And you're just like communicating in this way that you're like finishing each other's sentences and you're just like in like the same mind space. I felt like that's what like. Trey and Rick's guitars were doing at that moment. Like they were just having this, like when Peter went back to the piano, it was like, they just existed in this like world on their own. I was, it was totally amazing to watch back today. It was awesome. Bruce, what were your thoughts um, of the drip field loose ends segment? Well, like I wasn't there, so it wasn't as good as everybody sent out. But I, I when I saw loose ends on the set list, <laughs> <laughs> why somebody I fluffing like, this city? You, yeah, you, you kind of hit the nail on the head, though. I, I think the the relating it to Manteca a little bit is like kind of right on. Obviously, it shows up differently. 
um, a little bit, you know, and and it usually is at the end as, as such as the name would suggest, but um, it does always kind of signify like, Oh man, they must've been feeling it that night. You know, they must've been loose that night to slip that in. It's always when Rick is really loose and feels it. And they so easily slide into it. I think actually sliding into loose ends was the only time where I was like watching a video. I was like, Oh man, Trey, Trey must be like, what the hell is going on right now? <laughs> Cause this is nothing like drip field. Um, and but, you know, he, again, all of the stuff that I feel like, especially with Dripfield and, R- and RJ mentioned the composed parts of a lot of these songs and maybe Trey stumbling, uh, pun intended, a little bit over the lyrics of Arcadia. But, like, he hadn't, by all accounts, really practiced this song. And Dripfield, like you said, is a primal banger, taking it from almost always there, guys. Um, but it's like kind of like I thought, with maybe hunger side with maybe empress these are kind of hard songs even if you're trey to just try to slip in and try to find the right spot and instead with him kind of always leaning back and being like oh let's 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 let peter jam this out here let's let rick take this home um that was what made it i think so seamless for all of the guys to continue to deliver um such cool music in, in a way where, where trey's very new to some to playing some of it at least you know one of the things i I've been wanting to say, and I've been wanting to tell people who have been hating on this band for many years. I think I can let the cat out of the bag now, but in 2020 at the um, Goosemas that they did in Rockefeller Center on this patio overlooking Saks Fifth Ave, um, which was also a very special night. At the end of that night, they were taking pictures, and um, Peter Shapiro, who I know a lot of people credit, like want to credit Pete with uh, a lot of the growth of the band over the last few years, and he certainly has helped with certain opportunities like making that show happen in 2020. But that was really through one of his friends. And he just made those connections, you know, with Baruch who, man- who owns and manages 1111, managed the band. Um, and then uh, this guy, Gus, um, who really hooked it up for that site. Um, but he ended up getting a text at the end of that night when the guys were taking pictures uh, from Trey. And we were all like, nah. Uh, you know, you hear Pete yelling about Trey or something. He's going to go show them like, no, no way. And it was, but it was real. I mean, I even had to stop and be like, can I just like look at it? And it was a lot of emojis. I guess Trey really likes emojis, but it was like three texts, you know, and he had watched the whole show and he, he had heard about Goose, he really liked them, blah, blah, blah. You know, and since then there's all, there's been a lot of talk. So he's definitely listened to, I think more goose than people realize. And and I think he likes them more than people. Well, maybe now they realize, but uh, he likes them quite a bit, you know? And I think that mindfulness and coming in and, and knowing these songs beforehand, whether or not he's ever played them, you know, was what also helped a lot in terms of him staying on and being able to enjoy himself and play songs that he's maybe never played before with these guys. Um, so that was all very cool. I think I saw, I heard hints, like we're talking about that Dripfield jam. I definitely heard hints of of maybe what that could be if they ever get um, to play together again on some of these things. I think I heard hints of a lot of that in a lot of these songs. So, you know, I'm hoping I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic that those things will happen again. Um, you know, but uh, it was really for a first time incredible to watch Trey navigate through some of these songs and in a way that helped support how the band was playing them, you know? And I think that was one of the most impressive parts of it for me uh, was not necessarily just musically, but just like we've been talking about a lot, the interplay, the ear, the big ear, um, you know, that night. And, and you could just see it with all these guys in it and it really shows how, you know, these guys in Goose are elevated and, and very talented musicians, you know? And um, 
then playing with just another fantastic one, or even Father John Misty also sitting in with them. Uh, you know, and how seamless all of that was. And then Jeff skipping over to guitar for Tomorrow Never Knows. And, you know, it's just, and finding all of these ways to play with each other in such a way that really helped the music develop and rather than get in anybody's way was, was just so, so impressive to watch. Yeah, I, so, I, I, yeah. I really enjoyed the bit with Peter came out on guitar and out in front and the three of them were there together and not because, I mean, the music was good, but not because of that. I just enjoyed watching how much fun Peter was having playing guitar with those two guys. Um, it was just, it was infectious and, uh, and, and it was good music. Um, and then he, you know, slipped back between them, stood behind them for a little bit and then moved back to keys. And, uh, and that's kind of when it took off. Yeah. 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 There was some point to watch right before Peter walks over, he's like dancing around there with his guitar and you can see like it, like, I think Trey probably thought someone was like flailing their arms. Like it was an emergency or something. He kind of like looks over. <laughs> it's a jam. He sees that it's like Peter just like dancing. And he's like, you do you, man. That Peter is infectious stage. though. He is <laughs> yeah. awesome. Yeah. He is just such an incredible stage presence and so fun. And really, I was right in front of him the first night and it was, it made my night. It's nice to see somebody having that much fun on a big stage. You know, a lot of artists are very focused and they're having a good time. But, you know, at that age, you know, they're they're focused on working hard. And But Peter's, he's taking it in and showing it. And that's great. I think one of the greatest things about Peter's addition to the band over the years has been that fact that he actually works incredibly hard and for a number of years was juggling tons of responsibility for these guys while playing multiple instruments and writing songs and singing. And he was always smiling, you know, and obviously, you know, backstage and, 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 you know, certain times on tour, things can be trying and wear anybody out, but no matter what, whenever they step on stage, he is excited and happy. And, and it's, it's, it's honest, you know, it's coming, it's, it's mm-hmm. a genuine sort of happiness. Um, and then, so that's always been one of our things too, with judging goose shows is like, you know, you can kind of see Rick maybe smiling a little bit, laughing, making a joke once or twice on the mic, shaking his hair around. Peter's always dancing, so you can't go by that. Maybe Trevor <laughs> slips out a smile, you know. But then those are the, those are those keys. So when you see everyone having fun out there like that, mm-hmm. it's almost guaranteed that they're also playing well, you know. And that's yeah. kind of what you got out of this uh, out of this set as well. And he's really yeah. good at connecting with the audience in a way that's yeah. really authentic. And like we were dancing so hard and. At, when they were walking off the stage and we connected a bunch of times, I felt him like he looks at the crowd and like feeds off that. And when he was leaving the stage, I kind of like pointed at him at the end of the show and he pointed back at me and we were like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he was, he's like really good at connecting with the audience in a way that makes you feel like validated and, and seen and loved. It was, I feel like that adds a lot to a band. So makes, quick, makes interesting, approachable. Yeah, quick, interesting point about that is that he had, when he had a, uh, got more keyboards finally, and then had this set up for a while where, one, one of the ones that he would turn to a lot was always facing away. And it was kind of just the way he had to deal with having the, the guitar and, and these, the setup. And he quickly put a mirror on that keyboard so he could actually see behind him to no see way. the crowd while he was playing. Yeah, so he could still have that kind of connection even when he had to turn his back to the crowd. So, yeah, I mean, there's a mindfulness about all of this stuff and everything that they're doing, you know, that's been a a very important part of, of leading their trajectory in this direction as well. I, I got to say, guys, I, I was 
So I get to go to a lot of shows, and, and Bruce knows these guys way better than I do, but I've gotten to know them a little bit. And most shows I go to, I get to go back and say hi after the show. And this was like, I, I, I the, the, the joy and enthusiasm on all of their faces was like, like nothing else I've seen from musicians after a show, <laughs> you know, I think, and I don't think it's just like, yeah, we got to play with Cherry. I think it was like, that was like, a, that was like a moment that none of those guys will ever forget. And, and of course, Trey being part of it, but if it, if it was just a Trey sit in where he came out, came out and played a song, that's one thing. But like Jonathan said, like the collaborative nature of it, I think, I think everyone felt like it was like a once in a lifetime experience, which is pretty amazing to, to think about. Surely on top that on top of their headlining Radio City Music Hall for two nights, their new album just dropped. They're playing. It's just, it's a big moment for this band, and uh, I'm glad to hear they were enjoying it because they should. And they crushed it. That's an excellent transition towards our next segment here, um, because as as incredible as the Tomorrow Never Knows was one of one of my favorite songs of all time, regardless of the band, to see Goose play it. They've played it incredibly over the last couple of years. But then Trey up there, Father John Misty on the drums. Um, seeing him back on the drums, that was just, that was incredible. Uh, that was an amazing moment. Um, but, you know, the idea of this collaboration, because you guys have said it so well, and there was a comment that we had posted. There have been so many that have come in that I can't go back and find it. But there was a comment about, like, Trey didn't come up there just to shred and say, hey, this is who I am, and I'm going to add you know, a dash of Trey to this song and then I'll walk off stage. It was the actual collaboration between the artists that I, I found to be probably the most incredible part of it. Um, Bruce, I want to start with you. Like Goose is at such a really, such an interesting point in their career at this, at, at this point in time, big album just comes out. They play radio city. They get to collaborate on stage with one of their heroes. How do you, see this like representing where the band is right now and we can't predict where anything is going to go but like how do you see this impacting them as a band going forward well i mean as far as for goose like the, and you know i i don't think people kind of say it pejoratively as there's like a lot for them to learn these young bucks like that kind of thing um and they've learned a lot you know rick's been playing guitar since he was a little kid and he's loved it and he's had this dream since he was young to have his own band, to play in a jam band, obviously, well, or an indie groove band, I guess he may change the dream a little bit. Um, but they like they've they put a lot of effort into learning music and, and learning these instruments, and all of them can play multiple instruments and do multiple things out there. But there is for them at least, like there's there's definitely if they can have a little bit more of a collaborative relationship with musicians like Trey, these these consummate professionals who have obviously had boatloads of success and are obviously very special in their own right, then there's no reason why they can't learn uh, more from them, you know, and, and take those kinds of lessons or, you know, playing like this with him at Radio City probably even taught them things or gave them ideas for new things that they can do or try with jams, which I think when you're one of these improvisational artists, there's so much creating that you're doing constantly while trying to separate yourself from the sounds of other people who are creating constantly and doing somewhat similar things or tangential things to what you're doing. Um, and that can, you know, even if you're like a wellspring of creativity, like, like Rick really is, 
uh, you know, it's just you need ideas and you need things to keep things fresh and interesting, which is why they try to make all these different versions of songs because you play them a thousand times. You got to keep it fresh um, and you got to keep something driving you towards doing it again and again and again and, um, and finding ways to play it differently, but interestingly that are going to connect with your audience. And so I think some of that is what they could certainly pick up from rather than just having listened to Trey play for all these years, um, actually playing with him and talking to him. And you could see some of the pictures I saw online of them talking beforehand, you know, and looking at Trey's rig and, um, pointing at stuff on the floor, which I love that Rick has more stuff on the floor now. So it's like, you know, there's just, you know, Trey's sounds, there are things that are different about these guys. And I think there's a lot that they could pick up and pull in from Trey sounds and the things that Trey does to experiment. And, and especially now at this age, Trey does a lot of different things than he's done for many years. So um, I think there's a lot to be gained from, for them from that. And hopefully that can keep up. Um. Bruce, that was all amazingly said, and I'm sorry to interrupt. I, I'm actually going to leave because I have to start walking to High Sierra for my collaboration with Goose, which I'll be I'll, that'll be on Saturday. Nice. I have a bunch of songs I have to go rehearse, so I'm going to leave and then <laughs> get to it. But uh, but I but I do want to say that just one thing we haven't talked about yet is they just put out an album this week too, which kind of got overshadowed, and it's a very very good album. And I'm just I know I've said this a couple times, but the songs they're writing are are so good and. Um, they're just I can't I can't wait to see where it goes. Um, and thanks, Bruce and Brian. I'll leave you guys to it for sure. See you, RJ. Thanks, see you, RJ. RJ. RJ, before before you go, before you go, can oh, you shit. recommend? We're going to do this as a back segment here, but can you recommend at least one goose show for people to listen to? Yes, um, I uh, the second night of Philadelphia, March twelfth, is like show. front to back. Incredible. That was on my list for that segment as well. Shit. So, uh, it's, a, right, it's a good one. You got others, right? <laughs> yeah. That's oh, a yeah. good show. Oh, <laughs> I lined up some others. Yeah, definitely. All right. <laughs> good. Good Have fun, guys. Thank you so much. All right. Good walking. See you, and, and quick quick plug to everyone out there for the Great Beyond and also in Osiris podcast. We interviewed D. James Goodwin, who produced that album. Um, I also, just like this freaking show, was not there for the interview, but Karina filled in for me. Um, and and uh, Greg uh, Joey and Karina really had a great interview with him. He gave a lot of insight into building out that new Dripfield album. It was a really good interview. So definitely anybody listening, check that out. Excellent. Excellent episode. Really, really good, really good interview. Um, Brian, what are your thoughts just in terms of like where the bands are at right now? Um, because I think Bruce, you made a really, a really good point there about like the way that the two, especially Rick and Trey, but I think from a full band standpoint, how they were all listening to each other from an improvisational standpoint, I personally see from a fish standpoint, this impacting Trey in a really positive way to heat, to, to play with a band like that, that jams um, around melody that jams in, in the manner that goose does. I, I feel like there are aspects of that, that Trey is going to bring back to fish that is going to make um aspects of this upcoming summer really really exciting on the fish side but brian i'm curious your thoughts how, how do you hear this impacting um goose at this point in their overall career this 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 last set that was played well yeah i don't know that you can you know overstate the the significance um i think so first of all i think it was probably really validating for for the guys in goose to a degree i mean you know like 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 someone said you know i mean trey's a hero um, to, to probably all these guys. Um, and so I'm sure it was incredibly meaningful that Trey wanted to do this and that Trey wanted to, to play their original songs. And, 
you know, and, and, and in Trey's, you know, kind of generous, you know, way, you know, really give them a boost. Um, and so, so surely it, it will do nothing but help, you know, accelerate the, the growth trajectory that they're already on. Um, and then also, um, you know, musically speaking, you know, I, I will wait and see, um, you know, we, we've mentioned the, just the experience from, from an improvisational kind of musicianship perspective, the experience itself, uh, the, the growth and the ideas that, that can come from that. Uh, but also, I mean, who knows what nuggets of knowledge and inspiration, you know, Trey's given these guys just through conversation and, and those kind of, you know, special interactions that were happening, you know, maybe throughout the day and, and, and post-show. Um, so, yeah, so, so, so we'll see. I think it's, it's obviously all positive and, Hey, maybe, maybe Rick adds a little bit more growl to his tone. You know, maybe that's one thing that, that, that comes out of this. Maybe Trey adds a little, you know, vocal vocalizer effect uh, to his arsenal, you know, maybe on something like fee, he could, uh, he, he could rock that. So uh, I'm sure the, the, the fish fans out there would love that. So I think you have to be able to sing well to use the vocal harmonizer. Well, in the first place. Yeah. No, wait, 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 what are we trying to say here? Are we starting to fight? Cause I'm ready for a fight. <laughs> no, nope. I've had to deal with that so much online. As it is. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <I'm> just <laughs> Trey with the vocal harmonizer on, like, slave to the traffic light. I'm already imagine? getting ideas I don't think here. He just, that. just <laughs> add to the No, Trey doesn't right. need auto tone. Trey's, Trey's yeah, no, Trey. Yeah, fine. Yeah, fi- Fishman style. doesn't need his vocal pad where he plays. I mean, there, there's a lot of things we don't need, but uh, but add Ooh, to the I music. Like different. A man, a man can dream. Hey, hey, we all dreamed of Trey sitting in with 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 Goose. You know, it's uh, when are we going to get Rick coming out with with Fish? That's that's the next question. But um, uh, Fish fans a large object to sit-ins uh if you you start running down sit-ins that have occurred on fish stages most people will be like no that wasn't that great that wasn't that great that sounded good on paper but um however bb king was a recurring segment on a old podcast that i used to work on so um i feel you on that Um, maybe a tab sit-in maybe a tab sit-in at uh page fest that would be very nice um I want to wrap this around. Go ahead, John. No, I was just going to say Peach Fest is a, a strong, strong bet. Festivals are always good for this stuff. Um, I want to wrap this around to recommendations because one thing we wanted to add on here was anyone who regularly listens to HF Pod Live who does not, who has not yet dipped their toes into the world of Goose, we wanted to leave you all with show recommendations. RJ already recommended a fantastic Goose show, 312 2022 from Philadelphia. Um, before we do that, Jonathan, uh, I've been wanting to ask you this in this setting, but um, I believe Saturday was your first full goose show that you took in. Is that correct? Yes. It's the first goose show that I've listened to end to end. I've listened to goose a number of times over the years, past few years, ever since that peach festival set. Actually, I think I might've watched that whole set back in 20, was that, it was 2019 they did that um so sometime after that but uh but yeah what was your overall takeaway of this whole set and where, where, what are your thoughts on on goose kind of as a as a band at large at this point in time are you sure you want to ask that no i'm kidding I um <laughs> i i thought it was, i i had fun uh you know i sat right over there you can't see where i'm pointing but just to my right 
and um, and pumped it over through my stereo over here on my left, and uh, I had myself a good evening. Uh, I enjoyed the acoustic set. I'm gonna I'm gonna just run down a couple quick highlights. You know, I, I really I thought their take on Wake Up was interesting. Um, I liked Atlantic City. Um, I enjoyed that song El Meg the Wise that closed the acoustic set. That was cool. Um, and I thought the first set was fun. Uh, I was really surprised to see Father John Misty come out. It was really cool. Great sit-in. Well integrated, like he sang that song and just did everything. Just they played well. And he also good integration on drums. Uh, how many people play guitar with this band, though? Just thinking of the encore. Um, a lot of guitar players crossed the stage that night. Um, yeah, I had a good time. So there you go. I had a good time. I had a good time. The man had a good time. Uh, look, That's Archie good. promised to take me to a goose show in 2020, early 2020, mm -hmm. and then the show didn't happen. So he still owes me one. So uh, when Archie takes me to a goose show, I'll probably go to a goose show. I had a lot of promises of shows I would go to in 2020, as, as did we all. That um, one was scheduled. Like, it, was, it wasn't like, it was oh, we'll books. go. It was, it was going to happen, and then did not. Um. All right, flipping towards recommendations, Bruce, I want to turn to you. Uh, can you recommend two to three goose shows that you would recommend a new, total newbie to check out? It's just, it's, 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 it's a tough question a little bit because, you know, there, there would be different shows I'd want somebody to check out for different reasons and depending on sure. some right. context around how, how about this, this guy? We're so talk used to, to talk to this guy. I'm a, I'm an old <laughs> dead fan and old fish fan. Same. Um, maybe like so. Maybe the nine seventeen twenty show from Cell Farms is a good overall show. Um, you got the great Rosewood Heart from that. That's very long and kind of exploratory. And one of the first times they really did that with that song. Um, and in a fantastic Arcadia encore. Still, we talked about Arcadia before. Um. One of the best Arcadias that they've probably still ever played, in my opinion, is that encore that they played in that 917 show. But that show also has a little bit of a flavor that that might, I think, you know, a dead fan might catch on to. Um, I'm not sure if they they think they covered me and my uncle the night before 91620, but always a long time cover of theirs. But, you know, they think that just has that that vibe and that that play to it starts with switch and my mess with West Montgomery and then they're just off and running. So um, that would be a good show to maybe check out. Um, the ten three twenty show from October in um, Swansea, New Hampshire. They do a lookout Cleveland, which I just wanted to mention. That's really really stellar. It's first time Peter on clap, and uh, yeah, little fish history there too. They played it in twenty ten. Um, you know, and there's a great mod of on another one of their big. If you, you're talking about some of their biggest songs that you're going to suggest to people, usually it's Arcadia or maybe a mod of on. Um, so that those were those were great. I mean, there's just a lot. From this year, I mean, from this year too. If you want to get a taste of what they're doing now for for a new fan, I'd say the the six ten and six eleven shows from Legend Valley specifically. I think especially for a fish fan, the six eleven show because they play a three song um, second set that's absolutely fantastic. And like Megan was talking about, you know, the the flow of the Friday night show with Goose. And I mean that musically those kinds of the things that I'm looking for, if they really catch a good flow and a good rhythm um, and they're just finding these good places to jam uh, out of all show, it just makes for such a stellar listening experience. And I feel like uh, legend Valley night two this year, which is six eleven, um, is a good example of that. Really good example of that. Cool. This is awesome. I'm writing these all down. 
Those are, those are those are excellent recommendations. That ten three twenty show was a big show in the <laughs> Jonathan's fall twenty twenty. Goose was one of the only bands on tour, and they were playing these drive-in shows that uh, were were excellent. But yeah, I but even if you listen to those nine nine seventeen and ten three, and then you listen to six ten and six eleven from this year, it's, it's starkly different, different you know. And yeah. you listen to some of those twenty nineteen shows. We were talking about twenty nineteen, where they're playing these tiny places and like Sprout and. Westchester, Pennsylvania, that only held 150 people and they played to like three or something. It was ridiculous, but that nine six show was really good too. Um, but they're they're very different. They sound starkly different in a lot of ways, um, even other points yeah. in the same song. So um, you know, it's kind of a good kind of overall picture, I think, of where they came from, where they're at now. That development has been swift, but it's been really fascinating to watch. Um, Brian, what are a couple shows that you recommend? Yeah, I want to hear from this guy who was seeing 1.0 1995 fish. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> That's my guy. Well, so, you. And I like that yeah. too. So. Yeah, so, so so since I'm going last, you know, these guys took all my answers. But, um, For real. Yeah. Improvise. I'm, I'm, I'm yeah. going last. I, I got a couple options here. Okay, okay, you, for sure. You're going to take because, some of mine. I know it. So, yeah, I mean, obviously Radio City Night 2, um, Legend Valley Night 1, and Ooh. Philly Night to which which RJ mentioned, those for me are the top three shows that they've played this year. I think in any order, there, there's there's not much argument there. Um, I would probably also say uh, Cleveland of this year, which was March 10th, um, is another really kind of top show from this year. The first night in DC on March 1st, uh, a, a, another great show. Um, another one is Bozeman, Bozeman, Montana. From this year and that might be a good one so it's got a really nice it's it's got some some great versions of some goose songs with some really big jams there's a really big all i need and a really big uh this old c jam to close out the night but there's also a really strong ws walcott medicine show cover uh and they do a cross-eyed um that show as well um and then maybe another sleeper pick uh going back to last fall would be kansas city which um mm-hmm. for, for, for the fish fans they also do cross-eyed that night, but Goose does a nice little kind of pre-cross-eyed jam um, almost yeah. every time they play it, which which sounds a lot like Reba, um, very similar chord changes. And so that that's probably one of my favorite cross-eyes that they've done was was at that at that Kansas City show, and that's mm-hmm. another just kind of strong show front to back, no. There's there's no big 25 minute jams which which maybe aren't for everyone. Um, so so that's a that's a really good show to kind of showcase songwriting, and then you also get the the, the really nice um, you know fish jam in there as well. So all right, well, look the at you, Brian, getting was, those dates. But, uh... The fall tour was a really cool step up, and that run from mm-hmm. Texas out to Colorado. Uh, there's the Houston second set. That's got a big wisteria, big tumble. That was really good. But yeah, that Kansas city show is like a really good intro. If you don't know anything about the band, just throw that on. It's, it's never, it's, it doesn't go super deep, but it really flows in a nice way. I really like that. Um, I'm gl- I'm happy to say that I've got all my recommendations left. This this is this is a good spot to be in. Um, Does that mean you so picked bad shows. shows, Brian? I picked Did horrible, shows. sad. We're going to see. We're going to yeah, horrendous shows. So um, you I, guys I go are going to have six, to judge. 
If they don't fall on one of Jive Goose's top ten lists, they're not. They're then, not. then you're out of here. You're out of here. <laughs> We're never doing this again. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, I'm going 619 2021 from Legend Valley. Uh, you've got oh, yeah. a really good Empress uh, and Rosewood back to back. Nearly 20 minutes in the first set. Look how Cleveland goes 15. Uh, huge 22 minute Elmeg the Wise. Um, Jonathan, you noted that song. That's one of my favorite, just like pure songs that the band has written. But when they take it out there, it's just, it's really special. Um, Madhavan in a Moby back in a Madhavan, just a really, really great yeah. segment there. And that, that summer tour last year was, for me, the, the 615 show is, is a really special one. It's got my, my favorite goose jam that I've heard, but, um, uh, that, that tour, you just, you heard the band, a lot of ears were perking up at that point in time. And it was one of the first tours that was back after COVID. It was really, really special to see. But, um, this year, uh, my other two picks, uh, three, nine from Royal Oak. If you like jams, I like jams. It's got some big jams in it. 22 minute born to kick off the show. 38 minute Rosewood heart, um, set twos got a massive version of seven, two, six, which doesn't typically jam. Um, that song was introduced to me by my brother who said, this is like goose's slave to the traffic light. It's got that emotional feel for it to kick off a second set and then take it into a jam space was really great. Big Madhavan, big Yeti. Um, and then finally, uh, I'm just searching for it here. Six fifteen from Raleigh of this year uh hunger sight into inside out opens the show inside out was the first when i was like really getting into goose and saw that they covered spoons inside out it was kind of the moment where i really perked up in a lot of ways but um that's a great opener you get a huge madovan to close the second set big arrow uh redbird and drive in the uh in the second set which is which is fantastic so um across the spectrum we've got a lot of shows that we all recommend uh you guys check out there's a lot of good stuff and how do do you do oh yeah so so i wanted to jump in and just kind of uh i wanted to rank brian's rankings yes Uh, here we go no no, i'm kidding Uh, yeah so so 61921 that that was my number one show from last year so Good job. Good, good rack. Um, and then Brian, you also mentioned 615. So I just wanted to let Jonathan know that that, that 615 show, I think that was actually my number two show of last year. Uh, they do um, a very rare cover of it's all over now, baby blue. Um, yeah. Which, which, which wow. is very good. That whole set too. I, I just, in terms of song selection and flow, I mean, I just love that. So that was the number two show of the year for me. And, and, and it had a login suite in, in the first set. So it says a lot yeah. about how, how they recovered from that. <laughs> and, uh, and, and also, Jonathan, um, Louisville from, from this year, I think that was 211. Uh, they do yeah. a, a, late, a late set to Peggio, um, which that, that, that's another pr- pretty strong show. And I just, I just love hearing Rick you know, sing Jerry tunes. I mean, it's, uh, Oh my God, that Jack row on the first night. That was gorgeous. Yeah. I did notice that they have, they recently back at legend Valley did a uh, half step. Yep. Ooh, yep. That would be nice. I'd like to hear that. 
There's a great Minneapolis kind of gets overlooked from the winter tour, but there's a really great half step in the second set of that tour. Mm. Um, uh, it's I Minneapolis. Give a shout out. Nobody cares. Yeah, it's just Minneapolis. <laughs> it's just flyover country. I just want to recommend, <laughs> uh, uh, give a shout out here, Neil Landry. No one recommend 11 to 22, 21. That was on, on purpose. I, I did not want to give attendance bias, but um, that show just rocked my entire face off. It's it's the best goose show I've ever seen. You get 24 minute arrow to open the show. Uh, Arcadia goes 20 minutes and dips into purple rain type jamming uh, to close the first set. Drive open set two. Maduvan closes. You get an amazing this old sea. And then Factory Fiction Encore, just an yeah. insane, insane show. But I didn't want to give attendance bias. I had to go outwards of shows I've seen. You know, I will say though that eleven twenty two show that was the first time I shed any tears at a goose show was during that Arcadia. So after all wow. of these years of seeing them, and that tugs on the heartstrings, man. Matt Kalinsky, they're one of their managers, is behind me just sobbing, and he's just this huge <laughs> Polish man just sobbing over my shoulder, and I couldn't help it at that point. But it was just feeling that. It was one of those first times they're in such a beautiful room at the Mission Ballroom, um, you know, 4,000 people, and they had everybody kind of on a string. It's one of the things that mm-hmm. I've noticed about some of the best fish shows I've been to is when the band has literally, it just looks like they got puppet strings over everybody in the crowd, and yeah. everyone is flowing the same way as all of the changes have been flowed through what the band is doing, uh, and, you know, almost like hypnotized, and that was how the crowd looked at Mission. That's how they were play, were playing at a level that, that could, that could kind of precipitate something like that you know and so definitely yeah attendance bias you know i know how the aat guys feel about attendance bias but um that was also a great show i did have on my list but um really that arcadia is something special from that show as well that's how i felt on friday night i felt like i couldn't stop moving like it was just i was completely felt hypnotized it was unlike anything i felt at a jam band and you know i used to be a little bit of a raver girl too back in the day after i shaved my dreads so I can dance to that kind of like music and it really like hit that spot. They have a little bit of a trancey vibe sometimes that's yeah. really, really um, sexy and awesome. I loved it. Yeah. One of some yeah. of our favorite things about that, you know, and I know, I don't know if we're allowed to say this on this podcast, but some of us are big Disco Biscuits Same. fans too. And like, you know, some getting some that's of it. that flavor. Yeah. See, okay. <laughs> but, <laughs> but literally some of my favorite things that they do when they do them well, Goose can do very well with their own flavor and this folky mm-hmm. sort of overtone to a trancy disco kind of jam that really make it so much more palatable in a lot of ways and really mm-hmm. get the feeling across of you know sometimes with getty's lights too just feeling like you're in this like late 80s rave club in belgium or something like that but it it's really totally. it, they really can get sick yeah really and, and and they've really been gelling now because the two of them mm-hmm. playing together for a couple of years they've really started to, to click so um yeah i do love when they do that's one of my favorite things about them yeah sometimes you hear those bongos come through and you're just like oh this is good yeah well, well i've left like this it. i've left this comment up from neil for a while because i think what what you guys are describing this wisteria lane from san francisco is, oh is yeah right in that category it's super dark oh, it's really kind of trancy it gets into this techno space it uh it was it was the jam like early on in the winter tour that really really hit a bunch of people and uh, I highly recommend checking that out. It's one of my favorite jams of the overall year, as is the three one version that I think you recommended, Brian. That show. Um, I'm just noticing from the comments that we could just kind of go around in circles here and, and <laughs> continue to recommend at least like ten yeah. or fifteen other. Yeah. Yeah. Probably enough. Um, <laughs> uh, it still feels like you guys are like slipping in and out of Russian. Um, <laughs> it's, it's, totally, it's I'm like, what way. is that? It's what that is that? <laughs> um, 
Brian, Bruce, thank you guys so much at uh, at a moment's notice for making yourself available. You know, we had Trey sit in with Goose on Saturday night, and we had uh, Jive Goose and um, uh, the Great Beyond sit in with HF Pod on Monday afternoon. It's just, just as everything's coming together right now. It's a beautiful thing. Uh, this was a ton of fun to dive into, and I feel like we've really only uh, kind of scratched the surface here of what we can talk about both with – you know, you mentioned it, Bruce, and, and, and you know, I think it's just worth noting at the end here, like, there are a lot of differences between these two bands. And I think it's very important to note that from a style standpoint, that was something Fish dealt with a lot as they were on the rise in the 90s with these comparisons to a band that they don't really sound anything like, but there are enough kind of threads uh, from from a structural standpoint, from a vibe standpoint, that it's worth utilizing this kind of conversation to see where, where both are at. And um, personally speaking, as someone who has been a fish fan for over twenty years and uh, has been a goose fan for a number of years, like this was this was a really special moment, and uh, I'm really glad we were able to break it down together. Absolutely, my pleasure to be on here with you guys. Yeah, my, mine as well. Uh, thank you very much for having me on. This was a blast. Yeah, thank you both. Cool. Nice meeting you. Yeah, yeah you as well. Meeting you guys. Nice meeting you. Awesome having you guys on. Yeah, we'll, looking forward uh, to doing this again. Hopefully in the future. Let's, let's do, do it. Let's do this again. Yeah. We're gonna book this and we're gonna put it in writing. We'll we'll do yeah. this again. And um, you guys have a great rest of your day. We'll talk to you soon. You too. Thank you. Thanks, guys. All right. All right. All right. That was awesome. That was oh my awesome. god! I have so much goose I need to listen to now. Damn. <sighs> So much, and that's a really good thing. <laughs> Having more music to listen to, it's like the best kind of stress that I've got. The time I've got records I've only spun once. I mean, I know I have so much HF Pod Fish I have to listen to. It's unbelievable. I still have the other half of this record to get to, and it's good stuff. <laughs> it's always good to have more music. Um, a few more spins of this one. So thank you, thank you, everyone out there for hanging with us. If you're new to HF Pod, we broadcast live. Every Monday and Wednesday at 4.30 p.m. Eastern. We also recap every single fish show the morning after 1 p.m. Eastern. Is that morning? It's morning when you're on tour. Um, we hang out. We talk <laughs> it's morning show, somewhere. Usually with people. It's morning somewhere with someone who was there. And then during the tour, we're going to do, um, and we have done regular kind of hangs uh, before um, – the show begins and at set break. So join us for that. It'd be a ton of fun. We're going to have Bruce and Brian on here again. Um, we will be back on Wednesday. We were supposed to do this show today, but then Trey sat in with fish and men and, and, and Say that again? everything up. Or Trey sat in with goose. My goodness. Um, <laughs> I, I also want to shout out here. This is a really good point. This was, this he was true. mentioned early on in the, in the episode very briefly, but Neil Landry, I cannot believe no one mentioned Ryan storm on this episode. Ryan storm is a great guide to goose. He runs um, a fantastic goose podcast. He's a great thought. Uh, hey, great he's at camp, you know, he'll he's at camp out. right now. That poor kid. He's oh going to get out of camp and just his mind is going to be blown. Well, I he, checked he on him to make it. sure he that he online. saw it. He saw yeah. it. He, he experienced <laughs> it. Um, I think he, the tweeted, was, he tweeted out, like, this was the best day of my life or something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really happy for him, and I can't wait to break it down with him once they give him his phone back uh, for good. <laughs> but um, we were going to do a show today originally about 
Fish's 2000 run at PNC uh, in Homedale, New Jersey. We'll be doing that on Wednesday. It is a fantastic two-night run from the summer of 2000, so I'm really excited about that. I can't wait to dive into that with you guys. It is very fast. It is a very fast, aggressive, and groove-driven show. I cannot great, wait to talk great about you guys. Great shows. Great shows. I didn't do the listening, but I won't be here Wednesday, so you guys will take good care of it, I'm sure. We've we'll miss you. We'll miss you as always. Um, <laughs> will you? Okay. I, will. I will. Yes. Will. Yes. That's sincere, Jonathan. Very. Before we go, we do have to tell you all about, we did not tell you at the top because we had so much to dive into, but we need to tell you all about our sponsors at Sunset Lake CBD and Casher Trade. Um, Sunset Lake CBD is a majority employee-owned hemp farm located just outside of Burlington, Vermont. For years, they were a dairy farm producing milk for Ben & Jerry's ice cream. You all know Ben & Jerry's. They've been around for forever and they fish food has been out for 25 years. Amazing stuff. Uh 2019, Sunset Lake diversified and they started growing hemp for CBD. Sunset Lake CBD embraces Vermont's tradition for land stewardship by using sustainable and regenerative farming techniques to build and protect healthy soils. They are 100% pesticide-free, use minimal tillage, and implement cover crops and crop rotations. They also serve as a research farm for the University of Vermont's agronomists to study hemp and inform best industry practices. All I'm going to say... I had a Sunset Lake CBD edible on Saturday night and I was in just like the chill zone and it was, I, I needed it because when Trey walked out on stage, I kind of lost it. And my wife was like, are you going to be okay? And I was like, I don't know. I don't know. This is, this is too much, <laughs> but I have my Sunset Lake. Oh my and God. so I know that I'm going to be chill. Uh, check them out today at sunsetlakecbd.com and use coupon code HFPOD for 20% off all products. Sunset Lake CBD, farmer owned and Vermont grown. We also want to tell you about Cash or Trade, the only secondary ticketing marketplace where fans buy, sell, and trade tickets at face value for Fish, Goose, Dead & Co., Panic, Umphreys, so many other bands, festivals, everything, all angles. There's shows happening, and Cash or Trade is there. You're able to DM the other person that you are buying or selling a ticket with during and after transaction, you can rate and review each other when transactions are completed. There's no added fees to sell your tickets. All sales are fully protected by Cash or Trade's trade protection policy, which guarantees your money back should anything go wrong. Users can avoid purchase fees with a gold membership subscription. Visit cashortrade.org to learn more. With that, Jonathan, Megan, Ryan. Yes. Another episode in the books, another great hang with the two of you. Thanks so much. Thank you to RJ, who is currently walking to High Sierra. And thank you <laughs> to Bruce Robinson and Brian Weber for hanging with us here today. Amazing time. Thanks, everyone, for checking us out and uh, for listening to this episode. This was a fantastic hang. We've got lots more in the future to discuss about these two incredible bands named after incredible animals. Until then, have a great rest of your Monday. We will see you all on Wednesday. Bye, everyone. Be well.
Osiris. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello out there. Yes, hello out there, everyone. I'm Hal Schwartz. And I'm Flynn McClain. Together, we host None But the Brave, a podcast dedicated to the music and career of Bruce Springsteen. Bruce and E Street Band are on tour right now for the first time in six years. And we're taking a detailed look at what's happening on stage in our bi-weekly episodes. We've also been recently joined by some very exciting guests, including rock journalist Warren Zanes and Stephen Hyden, Backstreet's Magazine founder Charles Cross, and Barstool's Kirk Menahan. If you're a diehard Springsteen fan, this is the show for you. So please subscribe to Nimba the Brave on your favorite podcasting platform, and we hope to see you further on up the road. Thank you so much! We'll be seeing you!